The budget later this week will reveal how the economic recession has hit the government's wallet and its spending plans. Insight visits New Plymouth, Nelson and Queenstown to find out how the financial situation is playing out there. But first, Lois Williams has been testing the financial temperature in Whangarei. There's a sort of joke they make about hard times in the north. It goes along the lines of New Zealand had a recession but in the far north nobody noticed. Ian Walker, a farmer and businessman, says recession is practically the default setting of the local economy where high numbers of people live on benefits. Yet his Paper Plus bookshop in Kaitaia is showing 5% growth on last year. You have to work harder at it and you have to provide good value for money but if you, you put the effort in, the returns are still there. I think uh, one of the uh, differences between provincial New Zealand and uh, the city stores is the fact that urban uh, dwellers have leveraged themselves uh, significantly with the second and third home, they've got ne- negative equity and they're uh, struggling with savings. So up in, uh, in the provincial areas, we don't all, all have that problem. Jeff Smith, who heads the Northland Chamber of Commerce, says the building and manufacturing industries have taken the biggest hit. Nationally, building consents have dropped from 32,000 about three years ago to 16,000 this year. But Mr Smith says companies like Kaitaia's Duke and Nisho Mill and Golden Bay Cement near Whangarei are finding ways to keep their staff on while actually developing new export markets. And he says Northland's large primary sector is still cushioning the region somewhat from the impact of recession. To encapsulate it, we, if we grow it, we can extract it from the ground or fish it. And the industries that closely support those industries appear to be doing quite well still. And so still the primary and some of those associated industries appear to be doing OK at the moment. For instance, uh, avocado growers, they've still got a harvest and still maintain their orchards, so therefore the contractors to those Avocado growers are still very busy. But if you look a little further down the economic ladder, the rungs are starting to bend. The demand for food parcels in parts of the north has been doubling every six months. Coralie Shortland from the Bay of Islands Budgeting Service in Kawakawa says it's getting harder all the time to meet demand. From May we've had the same number of parcels that we had for a whole year last year. And last year they doubled, so it's a bit scary at the moment. I know the food bank is suffering and they're look help, looking for resources and some help in that area. They did run out. They were at a very low level of food. So they're constantly looking and looking for funds. Cathy Tullock, a Whangarei budget advisor, says lower-income people are starting to buckle under financial strain. Where one partner's lost a job or had working hours cut as employers retrench, household debt that was under control is becoming unmanageable. She says often it's debt incurred to help whānau by guaranteeing a loan, which a relative now out of work can't pay. And some families are simply giving up the struggle. The stress that's created on people at the moment is one of my major worries because, of course, it's the stress is the start of the family breakups, And then we end up with a whole new scenario where we're back on social welfare and everything else. Basically it's through finance pressure, there's not enough money to go around, not enough to feed the children, pay the normally finance company debts and no food on the table so you find the families are splitting up. If there's no work then they can both claim a benefit which doesn't make social sense and this is one of my major worries is because we double the output, we've got two rents to cover, we've got two everything to cover. 
Cathy Tullock says she used to be able to consolidate debt for some families by refinancing with a second-tier lender. But with the collapse of the finance companies, that's not an option these days. She says she'd like to see the government follow Australia's example and give families a few hundred dollars to repay debt so they can catch up. Kawakawa's main street is always busy. It's State Highway 1 and train tracks go right down the middle. But the bustle belies a forced idleness for some people. The seasonal work like fruit picking that many locals rely on has been less plentiful this year. It's been a wet autumn and there's more competition for the jobs from newly redundant people with solid work records. It's a boon for the growers, but not for young locals. I've got a, a client, she's 17, and she works in the orchards, picking. Now, she's only worked two weeks so far this year. She's not old enough to go on a benefit. So, yeah, it's, it's hitting them hard because they, there isn't the work. Missile Nareti is a social worker for Moiriwa's Kotahi Tanga Trust. She says the recession's biting hard for those at the bottom of the ladder and crime in the small town is creeping up. Violence has reared its head lately and that's really sad. But yeah, burglaries, you know, breaking and entering, theft of motor vehicles. And then these are, these are young people that are under the age of 17. No jobs. A lot of them are, are not going to a mainstream school, so they're, they're at home doing nothing, smoking, smoking deck, you know, things like that. And so the, the next step is, oh, well, let's go and Google someone's house. In Kaitaia, the Tararua leader, Hami Piripi, says one of the most constructive things the government could do for Far North Māori is remove the no-doll zones established by the last government. They were designed to stop people retreating to rural areas and living on benefits when work was available elsewhere. Mr Pedipi says that stopped the Māori rural renaissance in its tracks, forcing families back to South Auckland where, once again, there are no jobs for them. He says those families had a better chance of success back on their ancestral land, and with treaty settlements looming, there are a number of enterprises planned in the north to employ them. And by living there, we're able to access traditional food resources, we're able to improve their children's access to their culture and their old people and, their, and the Māori way of life, Māori values. But with the advent of the, of the no-dole no zones, those people have had to move out. And in a place like Mitimiti, for example, has been absolutely ravaged by that policy because all those young people with families who had slowly rebuilt the school to a what I thought was an exceptional schooling environment all of a sudden left. A lot of these people have moved home because they haven't been able to do very well in the cities. Northland's unemployment rate shot up 2.8% in the year to March. It now stands at 6.9%. The national average is 4.5%. And Wynne says total beneficiary numbers in the region have risen 11% as a result of recession. Northland's Head of Work and Income, Graham McPherson, says many are people who have never before asked Wins for help. So that's a difficult time for them. You know, it's really important for us to keep those people connected to employment and to provide them with whether it's training or other support services that are going to allow them to get back into work as quickly as possible. However, Mr McPherson says it's important to see the rising unemployed numbers in perspective. Although 2,200 people are now receiving the unemployment benefit in Northland, that's still under half the number for just four years ago in 2005. But it's not just workers who are having a tough time, but those in retirement as well, as my colleague in Nelson, Jeff Moffat, has been finding out. We're all the same.
have all the savings gone. That's the lament of groups of retirees throughout New Zealand who have been protesting outside ANZ Bank branches in recent weeks from Auckland to Invercargill. They want their money back from two frozen ING funds. They say bank financial advisers recommended them as low to moderate risk when they turned out to be anything but. Some of the investors have up to $500,000 locked up in the funds and face losing 200000 of that. These are people who've worked hard all their lives, they've saved with ANZ all their life, they've invested with ANZ, um, and they've had relationships that go, go over decades, and I think ANZ needs to honour that relationship. Blenheim investor Keith Heather says he can handle the fund losses better than most because he's still working. But what about retirees who'd counted on returns to supplement their pension? Through the ANZ financial advisors who are selling this um, diversified yield fund as a safe, secure investment. I mean, look at the walls. These aren't people who wanted to rate and pillage the market. They're all conservative investors. Investors like 75-year-old Hal Smith, who sold up his UK home and moved to Nelson four years ago, all of his half-million-dollar savings went into ING. And since it's been invested, we haven't received anything from it, nothing at all. So it's uh, so we've lost out. What difference is that making to your life? Well, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference to us and so on. Uh, you know, we planned various things and so on to do and so on, uh, um, and to, to have some holiday and so on. But now. It's, um, we're just, we're scraping through now. No interest on the money at all. And it's, uh, we just got our pension to live on, our UK pension. Hell Smith's story is not uncommon among investors around the country who are suffering through the global recession. In two years in New Zealand, 18 finance companies holding $2 billion have gone to the wall. Not everyone has been caught up by a finance company collapse, but with bank account interest plunging up to 5% in 18 months, anyone with savings is considerably worse off. For tens of thousands of New Zealanders relying on returns from life savings to supplement their pension, a comfortable retirement is in doubt. It's a typically busy afternoon at the Grey Power offices in the Nelson suburb of Stoke. With more than 12,000 members, Nelson is the country's biggest branch of Grey Power, which represents the over 50s. I mean, there are a lot of people who um, only live on their super, I should say exist on their super. Pam Shooton is the Nelson Grey Power Vice President. She says people who received 50 or perhaps $80 a week from interest on modest investments a year or so ago have seen their returns almost halved. They're going to have to really budget hard, really budget hard to, to make ends meet. It might be the difference between maintaining your house, turning the, your heater on, you know, that'll probably only for a, bit, a certain amount a day and there's a lot of people who do that now. Their heater's only on for a short time, just till things warm up and off it goes. Um, yes, it's going to make a huge difference. Pam Shooton says little luxuries like occasionally dining out have been shelved as retirees learn to live with less money from their savings. She says those living on their own are really feeling the pinch. But for people on their own who've got the same expenses as a married couple but whose income has disappeared or gone down terrifically, it must be very, very hard on them. Yeah. I mean, it's bad enough for a married couple, but at least there's two of them to take care of the expenses. 
Like some other regional economies, Nelson is considered to be weathering the economic storm better than the big cities. There have been big job losses at Sea Lord and Nelson Pine Industries. But Nelson's Economic Development Agency head, Bill Findlater, says Nelson is not dependent on manufacturing industries, which have been hit by falling worldwide demand for products. Our key economic drivers really revolve around primary sector and tourism. So 31%. And they've been affected for probably the last four to five years because of the high exchange rate. And because of that, they've worked their businesses, they've restructured to cope with that. People I talk to, they say, what recession? Um, you know, like, things are doing OK. We haven't been as badly affected with the housing values. But for those on fixed incomes like superannuitants or those relying on a top-up from saving interest, the household budget is under pressure. Hi, Doug McGilvery. Come right in. Most welcome. Doug McGilvery lives alone in a large Nelson home after the death of his wife several years ago. The retired journalist and publisher turned dairy farmer is in his early 70s. He says he's lost about 15% of his retirement savings and blames the so-called experts who urged him to diversify his investments. The more you diversify, the more sure it is you're going to get caught somewhere. And uh, that certainly has happened to me, although I've, I had small packets of investments in the various ways, um, inevitably uh, several of them have been thumped. Doug McGilvery says he's running scared after the collapse of so many financial companies, prepared now to settle for returns which are barely covering inflation. He concedes he's better off financially than many people squeezed by the recession, and while he's having to be more careful with his money nowadays, he's philosophical about the difficult times. This is unfortunate. You'd like to have everything in your favour, but I, to me it's just a balancing factor that we've been lucky. Now this is a bit of a downturn, and we've got to deal with it as best we can. Nelson generally seems to be holding up in the recession better than many regions, and that includes the area of tourism, one of its key economic drivers. But what about an area which depends a good deal more on tourist dollars? Queenstown. Steve Wilde has been investigating. It's another busy day here at Queenstown International Airport. It seems business as usual despite the recession and swine flu which has seen 10% fewer international tourists arriving in New Zealand compared with this time last year. The situation as a whole looks bad, but there are signs that some sectors of the market remain buoyant, particularly in the ski industry, where more Australians than ever before have booked a winter getaway. One thing the entire tourism industry is unanimous on is that the government must continue to spend money on marketing New Zealand across the Tasman. Tourism Industry Association Chief Executive Tim Kossar says it's imperative that this week's budget reflects the importance of Tourism New Zealand's marketing campaign. Keeping New Zealand's market position, making sure New Zealand doesn't lose its share of voice in increasingly competitive international markets is an absolute priority. I don't think that has changed uh, as a result of the recession. That's what we advocated for in the lead-up to the election, and that's what we still uh, advocate for now. Tim Kossar says he'd like to see a repeat of what happened late last year as the recession began to bite. Local regional tourism organisations like Destination Queenstown and companies like NZ Ski Limited and Air New Zealand were quick to come up with millions of dollars to expand Tourism New Zealand's major advertising campaign in Australia. 
Last year, when Destination Queenstown asked for an extra million dollars from its members to promote the region in the Australian market, there was some controversy. But it's something Destination Queenstown Chief Executive Stephen Pyle says has paid off. It has been put into market as promised and we certainly have seen results. And when we consider that certainly Queenstown obviously has a strong um, demand during winter... And when you look back a couple of years ago at the level of uh, money that DQ was spending in the Australian market, it amounted to a couple of hundred thousand dollars. So for us to be able to apply just under one million um, over the past 12 months, it's been um, a very, very um, prudent and valued investment, I believe, for the region. For the first time, the major Australian television networks have seen an extended winter campaign highlighting the best of New Zealand skiing. NZ Ski Limited's Chief Executive James Coddington says the recession has forced ski field businesses which previously competed head-to-head to join together, pooling their money to showcase the New Zealand winter experience. James Coddington says there are also other factors which will ensure this is one of the best ski seasons yet. The Australians love to ski and snowboard and uh, this past year there's been a lot less Australians skiing and snowboarding in in Europe and in Japan and in the US because of their currency. So they, they are looking to come skiing and they're looking to New Zealand, some of them for the first time because there's some great deals out there with um, airlines. You know, you've got some of the cheapest fares which you've ever seen, $29 from Sydney to Christchurch, uh, the exchange rate, and uh, you've also got some of their traditional areas which are um, got travel warnings on with Fiji and Thailand. The government may continue to fund tourism advertising, but one area the Finance Minister Bill English has said he won't be funding is infrastructure and tourist hotspots. A delegation representing councils from Queenstown, Tauranga, Rodney, Hamilton and Western Bay of Plenty was told by the minister last month that the government will not be dipping into its own pockets to help cash-strapped local authorities in high-growth areas. A number in the industry think the answer might lie in a highly controversial move, the introduction of a tourist tax. Here in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Queenstown, business leaders and tourism executives have gathered to hear Act Leader Rodney Hyde suggest tourists should pay to look at the view. A tourist tax, he says, would benefit councils like Queenstown, who are under pressure to provide infrastructure for millions of visitors. Even if central government had the money off the taxpayers, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to justify it. But right now, of course, um, the taxpayers haven't got it. Uh, The businesses are facing tough times. And, of course, central government is facing uh, uh, big deficits. And so the money just isn't there. So we do need to be much more careful. And don't forget that every dollar that a council spends is a dollar off the ratepayer, and every dollar that central government spends is a dollar off the taxpayer. The tourist tax idea has the backing of Queenstown Chamber of Commerce Chief Executive Alistair Porter. What Queenstown could clearly benefit from is a substantial investment in tourism, um, both for marketing and infrastructure. The question is how to achieve that, uh, and uh, the most efficient solution would be to see if we could persuade government that a share of the GST collected from tourists visiting Queenstown could be reinvested in tourism in this town. The alternative is that we look for some form of tourist tax. There's no doubt the tourism industry is under increasing pressure, but the sector, certainly in Queenstown, seems to be robust 
and is looking at ways it can work with the government to ensure its viability both in the short and long term. But in other parts, the travel industry is mostly about locals taking trips overseas. In Taranaki, Craig Ashworth has been speaking to travel agent John Campbell, who has been selling holidays to Stratford farmers for 44 years. Mr Campbell says the recession hasn't yet taken hold, but it will. We will see, I believe, in the latter part of this year and early part of next year, a slowing down of the economic situation here in the province of Taranaki. I do predict um, perhaps between 15 and 20 per cent for most businesses, um, possibly some businesses that uh, maybe not service industry businesses could be down a little bit more, but between 15 and 25 per cent. John Campbell says Taranaki is cushioned by the oil and gas industry and the dominant dairy industry. This year's payout to farmers from Fonterra, $5.20 per kilogram of milk solids, comes after the previous year's record $7.90. But facing recession-dented global demand, Fonterra suspended the usual April check until spring. John Campbell says most farmers saved some of the previous milk check, but the delay puts pressure on everyone's cash flow. Fonterra delaying the extra payout to October this year. We'll see perhaps um, a short-term squeeze on a lot of dairy farmers and chair-milking farmers not to holiday over the winter months but to plan shorter holidays within New Zealand or stay at home and, and watch their finances. Yeah, all the stuff here is going to get a warrant. Yep. Righto, put a value on there. Who's got $50? $20. $20. Barry Dimmick farms near Opunaki in South Taranaki. I meet him at a machinery and equipment auction on a dairy farm near Hawara. He says with the payout delayed and credit frozen, farmers are cautious. It is frozen. The bigger farmers will survive, the smaller farmers will get the push if we don't get our mortgages down. The cash flow is a big thing these days. They're always on us to check our cash flows, watch where our money is coming and going, watch where we're spending. It's so easy to start putting things onto the farm and then find you've got no money to pay for it. So you've got to be very cautious what you do. Barry Dimmick says debt and equity levels will be crucial as dairy farmers hunker down in the economic storm. But they'll feel the chill if weak global markets, hit by the financial crisis, result in an even lower milk payout next season. On farms where the wife takes the role of accountant, there's a keen sense of needing to curtail spending. And at the end of the day, the females need to be keeping an eye on their husbands. And the way my husband's been spending, you wouldn't think there's any doom and gloom. Claire Bishop and Catherine Mackery are doling out sausages and cups of tea at the auction. They agree the recession hasn't fully arrived in Taranaki, but say farmers are already cutting back. You buy what you need. Hey, exactly. buying, you're doing the necessities and that's it. Yeah, you're not going out. Fertiliser be down? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fertiliser is Someone didn't put it on. We haven't put on the autumn fertiliser. Yeah. There's only been 20, 40, 50,000? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, everything else you've got, you've got to have your petrol, your diesel and your everything. Exactly. Fertiliser is one thing that you can cut costs on. Yeah. And maintenance. And maintenance, yeah. yeah. Luxuries too are off the list. They won't go on holiday, they won't buy a flash car. I'm only allowed to go on holiday by myself, but not too far. Not too far. <laughs> I'm allowed to go to Hamilton. Yeah, well, no. I'm still pushing for my holiday and I'll keep going. When we going? But then we went overseas last year, so I shouldn't be complaining. But the recession threatens more than the annual trip away between milking seasons. Farm equity is increasingly significant as banks tighten lending criteria. But farmers fear a possible slump in land values. Today's auctioneer is the national livestock manager for Fonterra's retail and livestock subsidiary, RD1. 
Trevor Hancock says the falling milk payout and the credit crunch have cooled farm prices. We don't sell real estate, we just hear like you hear about what's going on but not many farms are selling and I think the expectations of what people are asking is probably not there this year so hence you know, sales are slow. Trevor Hancock says stock prices have halved as demand dries up locally and overseas. For example, the calves that we sold today, they sold for $570. Those calves last year would have probably sold for about $1,100. But people are cautious because we're really not sure what the stock values are going to be when those calves that could be for sale again as in-calf heifers next year. And, um, and some of the live exporters are sitting on 1,000 and 2,000 heifers that, that were purchased to send overseas and they never went, so they're coming back on the market. What, the orders just didn't materialise? Yep, yep. Disastrous lamb prices have recently doubled to a much fatter $100, so dry stock farmers have reason to smile. Sheep and beef farmer Noel Scobie has seen a cross-section of rural life in the last few months, moving from Geraldine in South Canterbury to a new farm east of Stratford. What have you seen the mood around being? Uh, oh, not too bad. I, some have been telling the son that the land is going to drop to about half price. I don't believe it myself. Well, the way the sheep and beef are, it's going to hold it up, hold the prices up. Yeah, there's a lot. Just cut back a bit and just carry on as usual. Keep the cost down. Noel Scobie says farmers' checkbooks are closing. Yeah, no, I think they will be cutting back. But, uh, and I think the towns are starting to feel it. The manager of Harwater's Salvation Army op shop, Judy Rosser, says the store is attracting a whole new clientele and sales are booming compared to last autumn. Oh, probably 40% up. Yeah, yeah. we notice a big difference. More people, I don't think they can afford to go to the other stores, especially with um, couples that have both had a job. Now only one of them has a job. Some have lost jobs, been made redundant, so there is only one wage coming in. Back in Stratford, sales are also up at the local butcher, where Faye McMeekin and her husband Alan are selling more to people avoiding supermarkets. We've had a lot of customers, you know, say to us that they used to buy their meat at the supermarket because it was convenient. They were there, they just would grab a packet of meat. You know, people got frightened when they talked recession, 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 and they've realised they've had to learn to budget better than they did, not just perhaps shop in one shop for convenience sake. You know, they're, they're looking around now, looking more at prices. Judy Rosser at the Sally's Op Shop says those at the bottom need a hand for the good of them and the economy. I'd like it to go to the lower income earners, families, for medical costs, things like that, that are necessary, they're not luxuries. Then they will have money to spend in their town, in the shops, supermarkets, wherever they will be spending. In such a true blue area, it's not surprising most are pleased National has the reins during the recession. Barry Dimmick doesn't expect tax cuts and says the government should follow the lead of farmers and haul in spending. I think as long as the government focuses on getting the economy turning over and um, not giving too much money into welfare or any place like that where it's not going to bring a return, I've got to bring a return. With farm returns healthy despite the recession, pundits from town and country all expect the regions to suffer the downturn last and bounce back first, carrying metropolitan areas with them. They're hoping a steadying hand from the government in this week's budget will make recovery as quick and painless as possible. That programme was written and presented by Lois Williams, Jeff Moffat, Steve Wilde and Craig Ashworth. It was produced by Philippa Tolley.